here with Tracy Lynn, celebrity host, fitness model extraordinaire. We're going to be talking right now about the real core, the misunderstanding, the perpetuation of myths about animal protein. Why have we all been fed a bill of goods about eggs, cheese, meat, and dairy being the best source of protein? We're going to delve into that. We're going to delve into the fitness arena. We're going to talk about the reality of good health. Yes. Dr. Nick here with Lynn. Lynn, this is your blood up on screen. Was that an amazing experience for you? That was an incredible experience. I really didn't expect that. I didn't know coming in today that I was going to have my blood panel uh, taken and tested. And uh, what an eye-opener. And you know, thank you for this opportunity because I love it. You guys get to see it. It's so phenomenal to know, again, you know, as we look good on the outside or we look a certain way on the outside, but how do we really look on the inside? So here we are. Point well taken. And what we're looking at is a white blood cell. We're looking at the red blood cells. We're, we're looking at the viability of the immune system. And right now with the coronavirus going on and people concerned in confinement, yes. my gosh, yeah. um, and I see kind of a low number of white blood cells, kind of a low level of activity. So you said this is a perfect transition time that you've always been considering kind of upgrading your nutritional food intake from a perspective of what to what? Well, from being the typical meat eater, and I guess you could even say to the extreme of a uh, you know, a bodybuilder lifestyle, fitness lifestyle, uh, you know, because I've been doing this for a very long time, the overeating of protein, animal protein, I'm going to say. So I think this is a great opportunity to go from, you know, excessive animal proteins to the plant-based protein. And, you know, I've learned so much already just today alone being with Dr. Delgado and his associates is um, how to really transition into that. And what a better time. I mean, we have, <laughs> we have a lot of time on our hands. So I've wanted to do this for a very long time. And this is a huge eye-opener to me, you guys. So not only as a health and wellness professional for decades, you know, I am, I've been misinformed, you know, in a lot of things. And today I'm not only educating myself, but I'm also educating you guys as well. So thank you for this opportunity. Well, absolutely. And Lynn, we also, in addition to doing a live viewing of your white blood cells, your red blood cells, we're actually taking a picture of your dry blood, looking for what we call oxidative stress and free radical damage. Yeah. And, and in this perspective, we also are looking, oftentimes we see in individuals consuming, say, more animal product, a higher degree of what we call hypercalcemia, which is kind of a detection of the early signs of loss of calcium out of the bones. And so that's this kind of little streak here and here. And so we're, we're looking at these things. And then you and I talked about, let's do a YouTube reply to keto diets, muscle growth, and, and bone density. And you listened to it and you said, oh, wow, right? Yeah, it blew me away because, I mean, I'm sitting here, you know, <laughs> I speak to people and clients all day and educate people on what I've learned and what my experience has been in my education and what I, you know, the information that I'm reading and learning about 
But then listening to this one thing, I said to uh, Nick, I said to the doctor, I said, well, you know, um, I'm 5'7", but I've shrunk over the years. And he goes, well, let me put this little article on for you. <laughs> and I've literally, I, I was 5'9". I'm not, there's no... There's no lie and myth in this. I was 5'9 when I was about 13, 14. I'm now 5'7. Um, I'm not sure why that's happened, but I've been infamous and on this keto diet for, I'm going to say strongly for two to three years. And wow. keto meaning fats and protein. And sometimes like no fruits and also times when I'm bodybuilding and doing fitness competitions and also doing like fitness modeling and I have to diet down for a certain look. I've been just doing animal proteins and maybe avocados and oils and no vegetables, nothing else, rice cakes once in a while. Uh, and it's extreme, and, I mean, it's showing up today. Yeah, I, I got the wonderful opportunity to take a look at Dave Asprey's blood of Bulletproof uh, under a high-powered microscope, and he live-streamed to Facebook, and you'll find that interview rather revealing. It was a wow. hi highly yeah, interesting. That. I'll share that with you. We, we can maybe you. clip away to that, actually, okay. during the course of this, this discussion. Since you're a little open-ended, we just finished the Being the Coronavirus series last night, yeah. and we're rebranding broadcasting that literally right now as we're speaking it went to my entire audience so people can click on that but they can always click on it after they watch our live stream cool. here and uh you know i i think about that let me just pull this a little closer to you because there you go perfect so all that being said let's clip away to uh, michael greger's take on keto diets uh, muscle growth and bone density. And I'm not sure if our Instagram people can hear, but we'll be commenting as we go yeah. and they can always kind of plug back in. So here, let's, let's see how we can pull that full screen. The there we go. International Society of Sports Nutrition position paper covering keto diets notes the ergolytic effects of keto diets on both high and low intensity workouts. Ergolytic is the opposite of ergogenic. Ergogenic means performance boosting, whereas ergolytic means athletic performance impairing. For non-athletes, ketosis may also undermine exercise efforts. Ketosis was correlated with increased feelings of perceived effort and fatigue and mood disturbances during physical activity, suggesting uh, that the ability and desire to maintain sustained exercise might be adversely impacted in individuals adhering to ketogenic diets for weight loss. I already mentioned the shrinkage of measured muscle size among CrossFit trainees. So a ketogenic diet may not just blunt the performance of endurance athletics, but strength training as well. Have people do you know, eight weeks of all the standard upper and lower body training protocols, bench press, pull-ups, squats, deadlifts, and no surprise, you boost muscle mass, unless you're on a keto diet, in which case there was no significant change in muscle mass after all that effort. Wow, that that's pretty revealing, right? Uh, what we got was good core training of key muscle groups, and normally you'd expect after what was it, several weeks of training, mm -hmm. some gain in muscle mass. Except when you went to a keto diet, there was an actual loss or no observed benefit or gain in muscle density. Mm -hmm. That's Kind of shocking to hear that, right? 
It is shocking. So think about the amount of time and energy and input that we're putting into our daily workouts and regimens. And I mean, that's time you can't get back. So you basically, there's, there's no benefits. That's really actually disturbing, especially, (laughs) you know, the time that we put into this. Being a competitive athlete myself, uh, and shall we say I'm of senior age but competing with a different class, the world's strongest strength endurance athletes, 20, 30-year-olds. So so I have to hold myself to a different standard, and I know when my performance is on and when it's off. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, back when I was in my early 20s, I had had high blood pressure, was struggling with my weight, I was genetically am born with more fat cells than than you can imagine. I probably would have been the rainforest survivor when everyone else, you know, starved when we went out in the desert. I would have survived <laughs> with all the fat cells I genetically have. But um, you know, what when I switched from an animal-based diet cuz mm-hmm. I was eggs every day, you know, meat and avoiding sugar, you know, n- no salt. I was, you know, I in the early days, that's that's 40 years ago. I was really you know, trying to build muscle. I wanted to play professional football, starting with college. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was a high school athlete and I loved weight training. And so when I made that transition after having a TIA, which is a rude awakening, having had a stroke, I was like, something's wrong. And then I, I found Nathan Pritikin and I read his book, Live Longer Now, and I met him personally and I got mm-hmm. invited to work with him. But I showed him the before after picture when I went from rather I thought I was husky, but I was overweight. You know, yeah. I was carrying extra body fat and I got, you know, down to a really sleek, good physique. Um, and I showed him my before after picture and he invited me to come work with him at the Pritikin Longevity Center, which was like an incredible opportunity for me. Just like when I met Tony Robbins, and I got to mm-hmm. work with him for a couple yeah. years after showing his blood under a microscope, just like we did for you. Yeah. So Tony adopted, uh, my book, uh, the how to look great and feel sexy there's probably some used copies laying around the office here and people can see it there on youtube and facebook too and you know the exciting thing was when i went on this this program i gotta tell you subconsciously and due to the general media this is 40 years ago 43 years ago I was freaking out thinking, I'm going to lose all my muscle gains. I'm going to this fruit, vegetable, rice, bean diet, no oil. And that was ahead of its time, no oil. And here I am thinking, God, I'm going to watch my body in the mirror. I'm going to measure my body composition. And the amazing thing was Bob Gerondola wrote his PhD thesis at USC, said, you've not only reduced body fat, you've increased lean muscle mass while Mm. being on this whatever this carbohydrate, high fiber diet you're on. And he said, I don't normally see that. When I see people lose weight, they lose muscle and they lose fat and water and everything. And he said, this this is really uncommon. And he had done his Mm -hmm. PhD thesis about it. So that gave me the confidence that I was going the right direction. Yeah, well, I can see that. And, And it's about educating us so we understand that. And as we talked earlier, and you know, I talk about this conversation a lot, because some of us get stuck in that old mentality and, and the bodybuilding lifestyle and eating the meat and having your protein and making sure you're getting, you know, certain amount of pounds and ounces and, and, and you know, por- portions of protein every single day. And today, I, you know, I found out that I'm overeating on protein and I'm also 
um, overeating on my oils and my fats and stuff. And, you know, I just, I mean, you don't know unless you see it. I mean, your blood doesn't lie. So I'm here yeah. and I'm so open-minded to it. And I just want to open everybody's eyes up to what's really going on on the inside. So this is why we're here today. Well, I remember talking to Phil Heath and I said, would you consider going plant-based? This was about two years ago. And he said, absolutely never. And and then I, I talked to Lee Haney, who wrote a book, mm -hmm. Fit at Any Age. And I said, how close are you to plant-based? He says, well, I eat a 500 grams of, of complex carbohydrates a day, even in peak wow. training. And I said, well, you know, compared to keto, that's 50 grams. You're doing 500 grams. He says, yeah. And you know what he said? He said, Complex carbohydrates have a protein sparing effect. Mm -hmm. So all my hard training preserves my muscle because I'm using the glucose for my energy, my mm -hmm. anabolic and uh, aerobic and you know anaerobic uh, exercises. Yep. And uh, he said he didn't even have to change his diet going into contest. He, he, he just stayed on his diet. He, he's not fatigued when he's coming close to contest day. Mm -hmm. He's walking around, hitting the weights hard and recovering well. And I thought, wow, all bodybuilders should know this. Lee Haney, what did he win? Eight Mr. Olympiads? Yeah, yeah he's phenomenal. He still is. And he looks fantastic. Probably saw him a couple months ago at uh, Muscle Beach. And uh, he looks phenomenal. And he's, he's got a great attitude. And, you know, if you can, you know... No, I'm not going to say the words convince, but if you can educate someone like that, that's been a the absolute pro of pros, you know, the understanding of how good this is for us, then, you know, let, let's educate everybody else because... Uh, this is something that's, you know, come up in the ages and, and I've wanted to do this for a very long time, but you know, it's so funny. What kind of reactions do you get doctor? Because when people, cause you don't force it down people's throat no. to go plant-based, but what kind of reactions do you get as, as you know, talking about plant-based and keeping and holding muscle to a bodybuilder say? Well, see, again, I got to say, I got a great opportunity to interview because I'm friends with Bob Goldman and we go yeah. backstage with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And when Arnold Schwarzenegger came out with the game changer publicly saying, you know, he's gone plant-based and on stage with all the elite bodybuilders, you know, he, he said openly, look, I'm 80% plant-based. I'm still, you know, 20%, you know, because the old habits and, you know, yeah. the bodybuilders come by and then we cook a steak. He said that, you know, yeah. but the point is that when I interviewed Lee Haney, you know, it was challenging for me because here he is in a wheelchair and I personally don't believe that his hip weaknesses, his bone losses was due to heavy weight training. Personally, yeah. I think it's his longstanding, uh, I think he even would talk about it. he'd go eat at Chris and Pitts and steaks. Yeah. I mean, that's that's been his diet, you know, down from Texas, right? Yeah. And, and that's how they eat. So for him to even think about plant-based as an intervention to build muscle and build bone, yeah. You know, I see this, and it, it, remember Kyle yeah. and I, we were making a 50-cent bet, right? We were yeah. saying, I bet we're going to see some hypercalcemia. And yes. when we cut away to the dry blood, we saw some signs of it. Yeah. I usually see it far worse, by the way, Lynn. I mean, just, just streaks, um, <sighs> you know, in, in the blood. Which Well, that's good to know. I mean, because... I mean, it's pretty scary opening this up and looking at your blood panel and seeing this and, you know, um, and we'll dive into the, you know, like the, the liver and stuff like that because, you know, it's um, pretty remarkable. I mean, to think what we're doing to our, yeah, we're doing to our bodies. So hypercalcemia, if you look it up in textbooks, it's usually associated with a pituitary issue, but it also is associated with massive calcium bone loss 
due yeah. to the high uh, high protein diet yeah. that uh, essentially leaves these streaks in dry blood. The, they look like spikes uh, or spirals on a a bicycle. You know how okay. you have the little spirals yep. that, that come together. And so it's kind of classic in almost every bodybuilder that I look at because most of them are on a high protein diet. But we yeah. also have a mutual friend in it, it in common, Joshua Self, who's a, yeah. a physique competitor, uh, uh, who's the the boyfriend of, of Forbes Riley? I, you know, I uh, yeah. and and so it's interesting because he and I sat down more than a year ago at a Chinese restaurant, and he was eating a big slab of chicken and having a little vegetables, and I was having my big complex carbohydrate, oil free, you know, plant based, you know, because I I order it, and he leans over, and he goes. Why are you eating that way? You're you're a competitive athlete. I said, Why are you eating that way? Why are you eating yeah. all that chicken? And we went into a big conversation and he listened and he, he went plant based right from that point. Wow. And and he, he went into national competitions and you know And he, it looked great and he won and phenomenal job. I mean he's got an incredible physique. Uh, yeah. I think he's a uh, pro uh, classic physique uh, yes. competitor in the WB, yeah. WBFF. Yeah, so I do get it used to be a lot more resistance when I'd bring it up to the athletes and the bodybuilders. But now that Arnold's come public and, yeah. and a lot of the top athletes are kind of swinging around. And I, I believe it's 14 of the Tennessee Titan NFL team players, yeah. including big linemen, 300-pound guys, have gone plant-based. And, you know, they're placing in the finals near the Super Bowl time. You know, they're always in the final yeah. running. And you got to say, and what they're saying is less inflammation, better recovery. Yeah. They're maintaining their muscle density. Oftentimes, they're proclaiming that they're actually performing better. I know I perform far better. Uh, a good example would be uh, the Chris Dickerson was a former uh, yeah. pro. And, yeah. he, and he was pretty much plant-based. Yeah. Yeah, I know who that is. Um, so I guess my question to you, doctor, would be, where do you start? So say we're out here, all of us, there's a, you know, a handful of people and thousands of people all over the world. If we're going to switch to a plant-based uh, lifestyle and nutrition program, how, how would, where would we start? Like what would be the very basic beginning suggestion for us? Well, Lynn, I think the, the starting point begins with knowing the science behind where do we get our protein from and how many real grams of protein do we need. Okay. And begin by understanding that the body has the miraculous ability to recycle all of the enzymes of the body. Mm -hmm. So that means quality protein of our own creation, mm -hmm. we get 150 grams of protein a day, even if we didn't eat a gram of protein. Okay. We get 30 grams of protein as the intestines slough off. So now that's 180 grams. So clinically, the average person only needs 20 grams of protein. Now I'll double that for an elite athlete and put it at 40 grams of protein, which will literally meet the protein requirements and the building requirements of any athlete. And guess what? When you design a plant-based whole foods diet, mm -hmm. it's nearly impossible to design a diet with less than 80 grams of protein. So you got four times your absolute protein needs of high mm -hmm. quality. So that's the first myth you have to dispel. Recognize that it isn't a gram of protein for, uh, per, what is it, per every pound of body, body weight. Some weight, say yeah. uh, per for kilo, so that's a little bit less. Mm -hmm. uh, some will say, Lee Haney might say 70 or 80 grams of protein, but again, that's really easy. Yeah. And you have to know that there's a 
protein in oranges, there's protein in beans, there's protein in broccoli, there's protein in every whole natural food, unless you're eating processed white sugar. Yeah, well, actually, that, let's, that's my next question, because when people think vegan or plant-based, uh, they think about, you know, uh, vegan restaurants and, and eating bread and carbs. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie, because this is my mentality, my thought as well. And every time I ask somebody who's an athlete or, or a competitor or model or whatnot, they will say the same thing. Oh, you know, have, do you see, you know, like super fit and healthy vegans? And I said, yeah, I do actually. And they go, well, name one, you know, and I say, well, you know, I do know a lot of top pro athletes that are vegan, um, you know, but for us, the, I guess. Uh, Nehemiah Delgado is, yeah. a, is a professional bodybuilder. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the thing. I guess it's just getting rid of that perception that, you know, you're eating these, uh, you know, just bread and a whole bunch of crap and junk and, and cause that's actually not true. That's not factual. So you can put things together that are healthy, but it's combining it together and knowing what to pick. Absolutely. And I think it's important for athletes to recognize that it, it may be that the timing of your meals is more of intuitive eating. Mm. In other words, if you feel a little weak or empty, if you're fueling the glucose, which comes from the whole complex carbohydrates, you can do it easily on a grain-free diet. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm fine with people being concerned about glutens. I am as well. Uh, There's quinoa. There's other some quality grains that one can use. A lot of the paleo people have educated people on this area. And and it's okay. But, But keep in mind, too, that the, the quality of the protein in the beans and the high fiber content, a cup of beans has 20 grams of protein. Mm-hmm. Garbanzo beans, lentils, mm. pinto, black beans, and I get them cooked without oil. I don't yes. use them with oil because the oil is unnecessary. It's unnecessary added calories, particularly when you're wanting to be lean and yeah. show your physique off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about dairy uh, and dairy products in the body and um like how it causes inflammation because the number one thing when I'm doing uh, nutrition and lifestyle programs for my clients is, what do you mean I can't have dairy? What's wrong with dairy? What's wrong with milk? We've been having it back since, you know, this day and that day. So can we explain to the viewers uh, what, it, you know, the inflammation and the, you know, the problems that it causes by having dairy in the body? Yeah. Um, dairy product is highly inflammatory. It's... Um, shall I say, if you think about whey, dairy whey, the whey protein, the casein proteins, Mm -hmm. when we do food inflammatory tests and we look at people's blood and their white blood cells under the microscope, um, I've got to tell you that not only am I looking for these holes in the blood, which is a sign of adrenal distress and Mm -hmm. free radical damage and oxidative stress, which by the way, because you exercise, it's covered up a lot of the potential ills of maybe a diet that isn't exactly on track for human requirements and ideal nutrition because it's fabulous that you exercise. It's clear that you do because you have you. really very little free radical damage, but the areas that you do are present. But when you switch over to, to the live blood uh, example, and, and we just take a look at, mm-hmm. at this on the screen, uh, it's interesting that blood morphology and its uh, examination under this high-powered microscope here, let me, let me just focus that a moment. Oh, yeah, I got to turn the screen here. Yeah, so when, we, when we're looking at blood and understanding the white blood cells and the immune system, you know, which is one of the topics that we're trying to cover right now, 
is, you know, how do you get the amount of protein that the body needs and the enzymes to protect and yet mm-hmm. without getting foods that are inflammatory. And yeah. so dairy product, I would list as one of the most inflammatory foods that, that you can ever consume. And, and again, that's based on looking at white blood cells. And uh, I was going to say that the number of white blood cells on the screen here is a little bit limited here. So let me just find that a second. But as you look at the white blood cells what we look for is if they're breaking apart or falling apart, and and that's a sign of inflammatory response. Mm. But, yeah, so we'll scan around for those a little bit later. But the the blood is is rather amazing. I mean, we we see these little particles in the background, and those are a combination of triglycerides, which is normal in the middle of the day of eating. And then we also see little friendly bacteria that will show up at, at times. And then we can pick up a little bit of candida here or there. So the blood is, is rather revealing, and, and, and that's where you determine if you're getting inflammation, particularly any kind of joint issues, mm-hmm. then the first thing I'm going to look at is let, let's let go of dairy product, including yogurt. Yeah. I mean, switch over to maybe coconut yogurt or almond yogurt, mm-hmm. but dairy product itself from, yeah. from cows is highly, highly um, allergic producing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we were having a conversation earlier uh, with doctor's uh, associate, and I was talking about how I had pizza, and just from the cheese and the dairy, um, I was having pain in my knees and in my joints, and I couldn't believe it, like just how I felt. And that was just from a couple pieces of pizza, um, just because my body's not used to it, and I've removed it, so I don't, you know, it doesn't respond well. And talking about removing something from the body... Once you take something away, your body starts to adjust to that. And it takes time. You know, I don't know how long for every different product. But once you remove dairy, you start to feel so much better. So when you do add it back in, then you start to see the complications that it causes. Isn't that correct? It's very true. I mean, good elimination diets are you remove something based on testing or symptoms. And then you notice the symptoms go away. Well, you know, that's probably the food. But what's a delayed food allergy, it could take a week or two before the symptoms go away, before the body clears the protein antigens and things. So Mm -hmm. you might have a real clean system, and then you also eat that offending food like dairy product or cheese or or milk. And then within hours, the body starts becoming inflamed and and having reactions to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, And we talked uh, a little bit about adrenals and stuff too. Obviously, when you're putting this much stress on the body and we're running at, you know, full speed, I mean, working, I mean, obviously not right now, but we're going to talk about, you know, what the normal routine in life is. So we're doing 16 hour days, not getting a lot of rest, you know, staying up late too late and waking up too early and the adrenal failure and, you know, like adrenal taxation on the body is tremendous. And, and I saw a little bit of it today. So I want to talk about a little bit about a game plan for people and their adrenals, especially a lot of uh, my female clients that are struggling from this and doing, you know, uh, diets and crash dieting and up and down and that yo-yo effect, what it does on the body and how we can repair it. And so some suggestions maybe for that. Well, Lynn, I think there's a reasonable window of eating. Uh, when we talk to Volter Longo of USC and his work in longevity, he talks about an eating window between 8 in the morning and 8 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And, and let uh, autophagy occur 
after eight o'clock at night and before eight in the morning. But some people are shortening that window down to don't eat till 12 noon, cut it off at 6 p.m. Mm. And if they're overweight and they're not hungry, maybe they can get away with that. But when you're really close or at your ideal body weight, and you're feeling yourself gnawing hunger, yeah. it's distracting, number one, from a performance perspective. Yes. Number two, uh, just feeling good and being on top of your game emotionally and mentally. And some people who have low adrenal function, they'll get so cranky, they want to tear your head off. I mean, they're, they're, their blood sugar <laughs> drops. And, and that's a sign. That's yeah. a sign that the adrenals are just pushed at that border. Yeah. And, and these are the people, too, that are more at risk for developing congestion, colds, flus, and now with the coronavirus going mm -hmm. around. So you really want to start looking at what is the strategy, that what is the timing of the meals, during what window do you eat, and what do you choose to eat, and will you really become attuned to what we call intuitive eating? Because when you know you're feeling a little slightly weak or empty, that's a sign just before you get hungry. And if you eat like Maybe it's an apple. Maybe you eat an orange. Anything. Maybe eat some carrots. And it takes that edge off. You know, okay, my blood yeah. sugar was dropping and I needed to eat. And importantly, when you do that, you're not sacrificing body muscle mm -hmm. as happens on some of the keto paleo, you know, uh, fasting programs that they're, yes. they're, they're doing. And we're going to cut way back uh, to, to this show on, the, on the, the segment of keto diet, muscle growth, and bone density because mm -hmm. I, I think it addresses it a little bit more, right? Yeah, it does. It's, yeah, that's very informative. It uh, was shocking. Here we go. Let's see. Those randomized okay, to the uh, non-ketogenic diet added about three pounds this. of muscle, whereas the same amount of weightlifting on the keto diet tended to subtract muscle, an average loss of about 3.5 ounces of muscle. How else could you do eight weeks of weights and not gain a single ounce of muscle but on a ketogenic diet? Even keto diet advocates call bodybuilding on a ketogenic diet an oxymoron. What about bone loss? Sadly, bone... Okay, so let's address what he said first about the whole idea of a muscle. He literally said losing muscle during eight weeks of weight training mm -hmm. because of the keto diet. Yeah, you're not, not only not gaining, but you're actually losing on an eight-week ketogenic diet. Yes, <laughs> and, and think about it. You're thinking... The, the muscles are protein, so mm -hmm. I need to eat protein to supply the muscles. And it's really what we're going to teach is rather counter, counterintuitive because the complex carbohydrates, the first need of the body is energy, number one. Mm -hmm. So if it gets its glucose, that's why Lee Haney said we need the complex carbohydrates in generous amounts to yeah. serve as a protein-sparing effect. Use that glucose as it breaks down at two calories per minute mm -hmm. for the brain, for the muscles, for the tissues, and then the protein can be used for protein needs. Yeah, You absolutely. completely spare the body protein that way. Absolutely, I think that's great, and I'm glad that they talked about that. But when you see, when you hear that and you see it at that level, I mean, to me, I, I think two months of hard work in the gym six seven days a week i mean whatever your training regimens are for me that is like absolutely critical and you know um devastating so three pounds of muscle loss in eight weeks while you're training hard yeah that's like 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of goes back to, I think about the same theory too. People are always like, oh, you know, yeah, weekend of drinking and, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be, it's going to be fine. You know, I'll go to the gym the next day, but it's actually it takes 72 hours before your body is actually starting to respond to, you know, the nutrition and as well as the exercise after, um, you know, drinking and putting that stress on your body. So it's like things like that. But I mean, eight weeks, that's shocking. And um, so these these numbers don't lie. I mean, these studies are obviously um, very, very <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> but, um, you know, so I, I mean, I guess we just need to educate. Can we ourselves. qualify too? A 150-pound a, a person, man or woman, yes. has 25 pounds of skeletal muscle. Mm-hmm. So if you lost three pounds of muscle out of 25, mm -hmm. that's that's like almost, what is that, 10% 10, of the muscle? Yeah, a percent of it. That's a lot. Yeah. Now, now, now let's backtrack. Mike Menser, arguably one of the most scientific bodybuilders, once said, and he was one of the few that ever scored a perfect one, uh, 300 in the Mr. Olympiad in a, a year he competed against mm, Arnold, yeah. which a perfect 300 is unheard of. I don't yeah. even think it's ever happened except for a few times in history is the way I understand it. But Mike Menser stated that the amount of protein in a whole foods diet was enough, which is he estimates 60 grams of protein to meet all the needs of a world-class bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. But here's what he said. If you train hard and you got proper rest and you understood hormonal balance and anabolic effects and all mm -hmm. the benefits of building muscle, and you then gained five pounds of muscle in a year. Okay. And if you gain five pounds of muscle in a year, every year for five years, you could gain theoretically 25 pounds of muscle added to the 25 pounds of your average skeletal muscle yeah. tissue. So you'd go from 150 to 175 pounds. And he said, quote, you will look like Mr. Universe or Miss Universe. Wow. He said, it's all it takes is to gain five pounds. So if you sacrifice three pounds of muscle because mm -hmm. of a keto diet, when you need to gain five pounds every year for five years to yeah. be in competition. Yeah, you're now in a deficit and you have that time to gain back. So huge. Wow. You know, Bob Goldman came up to me, you know, um, at, at the Arnold. Bob. Shout out to you, and, Dr. and I, Bob. I love Bob. And, you know, you know, he's broken uh, Guinness World Records. He knows mm -hmm. I compete to break world records. And, and he said, God, you know, the problem with this fiber, this, this, this plant-based diet is the fiber, man. You you, <laughs> you got to keep looking to find the restroom. But see, people right. have so much animal product. They, you know, it concentrates in their yeah. body and all this toxins in the gut. And the, the gut is 80% of the immune system. So if you got all these toxins from festering meat and microbes mm. and E. coli and salmonella. So wonder why people get yeah. so weakened to develop colds and flus and coronavirus and things. Yeah. But if you go to plant-based, this stuff's just flushing through. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so, so on top of that, so let's, uh, let's talk about that a little bit more. So what would your suggestions be, um, uh, Dr. Nick, in regards to this? So is it 100% um, full in, you just go plant-based, that's it? Um, or do you gradually go into it? Because I can imagine this would be pretty disturbing to your system um, right away. Uh, disturbing meaning <laughs> you're flushing out the toxins. Is this um, is it too harsh to go 100% or should you go gradual, maybe a little bit of meat, a little bit of eggs? right away or just you can go into it and it's safe and healthy and effective and just kind of you know like quitting smoking cold turkey 
I have three no, answers for no you. No pun intended. Yeah, I have three answers for you. There was one study when you mentioned cigarettes that showed that the equivalent of the production of harmful carcinogens in cooking meat like a hamburger is mm -hmm. equal to smoking 20 cigarettes when you eat a hamburger. So the question is, would you cut off cigarette smoking cold turkey if you had lung cancer or if you were at risk or you had uh, respiratory weaknesses and you're at risk for cold or flu or coronavirus? Well, the answer is yes, you would cut it out immediately, right? Could you do it? Yeah, from a hypnosis standpoint, from a timeline therapy, NLP, it's going to take more work. Tony mm -hmm. Robbins type work, letting go of, mm -hmm. you know, why are you smoking? You know, is it is it something to look cool in the day you smoked when it was cool? I was 12 years old. I used to smoke riding my little bicycle, and I thought I was cool, right? I mean, that's what we did. Mm -hmm. and, and we, you know, we would find our, you know, a stash of beers or try and get someone to buy beer for us. And we thought we were cool that whole summer. I was cigarettes and, and drinking and, and, you know, and, and just living like a wild man. And, and, and now they still do that for spring breaks, right? They, they're oh, all, yeah. and, and what, what is the definition of party these days? Party. It means get high, you know, smoke, drink, trash your body. Yeah. And they come back from a vacation. They're thrashed. <laughs> Yeah, they need another vacation because now they're done. Like their bodies are just taxed. Okay. Now, I know for myself, uh, and, you know, of course, during that summer, I, I made a commitment, stop smoking. You know, at the time, I decided no more drinking and all these decisions that happened at that young age of age 12. But I also know that when I went over to a plant-based diet, at age 21, uh, when I was 22, and I gained a lot of weight to play football, mm -hmm. and then I had that TIA stroke, I was terrified. I thought, God, I'm going to die. Right. So I went to a whole plant-based diet, but subconsciously, I thought I had to have egg whites still in my diet. I'd still slip in some chicken because I was just thinking, I, I just can't go cold turkey. Yeah. Again, pardon the pun. Yeah. But after about six months, here's the shocker. I looked good, I felt good, but my cholesterol would not come down. And then I read, and then talking with Nathan Pritikin, that chicken, fish, and turkey has as much cholesterol as red meat. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Mm. I was so depressed. I said, now I got to give up the chicken and the egg. And the egg whites, were, there's no cholesterol on it, so there was no big deal. Yeah. But I thought, if I'm going to cut it out, so what I did was I got rid of the chicken and the, and the fish and the turkey first. Okay. And sure enough, within a month, my cholesterol dropped down to safe levels. Wow. I'm like, wow. Amazing. I went back to eating some chicken, cholesterol went up. And I'm like, oh, so, so I gave it up completely and I'm still watching my body and my, my training and everything. Mm -hmm. And I didn't lose any muscle. And I'm thinking, well, maybe it's because I'm still eating the egg whites. And then I finally read, I don't need the egg whites. I can get all the protein I need from the complex carbohydrates, the whole foods. And maybe if I felt insecure, I'll eat some beans. I'll get a plant-based protein powder, which I made a slim blend protein for people exactly yes. for that reason. For those who yeah. felt insecure, oh, I can't do it without, but I gave up the egg whites. Yeah. And the only time I'd use egg whites if I was out with a family, we we're eating, eating a vegetable egg omelet, you mm -hmm. know, and I'd get it without the queso, no cheese, right? And with the vegetables and the chilies and the spices. And it kind of reminded me, oh, yeah, that's what it was like to eat eggs. Yeah. But then there's science about egg whites and issues about it and maybe associated with other problems, including what we're going to talk about is bone loss. Yeah. So when I gave up the egg whites, that was the last thing. But it, all that 
period, it took me about a year. But that's only because I wasn't educated. There was no one to guide me. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> I, I got your answer so loud and clear. So yes, do it full 100%. Put it, everything it you It depends on how disciplined you are. If you yeah. have that ability and, you, I do. and don't I just do. do it by willpower, but maybe reinforce it. We have NLP download tapes and you listen to them mm. each day. And after about seven days, your subconscious mind starts going, oh, okay, eat my fruits and vegetables, eat my beans, you know, exercise. Yeah. I'll have all the protein I need. And your mind goes... Is first you think the process you're fighting it because that's not what we all believe yes, inherently deep believe yeah it's ingrained in us but after about a week the mind just starts going okay and then you start making those decisions and after about two weeks you just kind of automatically doing it and then you see the results in the mirror like joshua self he was just he was texting me says yeah. how am i gonna get my protein you know but and he's a big guy he's got a lot of muscle on him so for you guys out there that have a lot of muscle on you and you don't think this is possible you guys can check him out because he's a classic example of that yeah um what uh, what about uh, what are your thoughts on uh, plant-based uh, proteins then i'll be very frank I think they're unnecessary. Okay. However, in a transition food, if if you're going to switch from a dairy waste way or an egg white protein or an animal protein base, the carnivore type protein powders, mm -hmm. they're so inflammatory, so problematic to the immune system, then I would want you to go to a plant-based protein. I told you, I made a plant-based yeah. protein, but unlike other plant-based proteins where they upped the concentration of protein, I kept it at a protein with certain foods I knew from the plant community that had a proper amount, like split peas that had a good amount of protein, mm -hmm. but I made sure it had added the added fiber because that's what you get another benefit from plant-based right. foods. And it was 20 whole fruit and vegetable organic. So it met all the criteria that I knew who maybe someone who's very purist about the plant-based whole community, which mm -hmm. I am, and, and using the probiotics and trace minerals. So I think if you're going to go to it, the Slim Ben Protein was the logical choice that I created for people. And it's mm -hmm. one of the few on the market that's all organic and non-GMO. Yeah. So, you know, going to that, it was an easy transition to, to, to go to. But to from a perspective of people that are on you know, plant-based and they're thinking they need to up their protein. Clinically, it's not required. In fact, okay. their bone density will suffer due to it if they overdo. Because I've seen products out there, plant-based, where they've really forced the protein up to over 20 grams, trying to compete with the animal yeah, protein products, 40 grams of protein. I already told you, you only yeah. need, unless you're eating nothing else but that, you're getting 20 grams. So in the case of slim bone protein, I thought, well, some people are going to be limiting their food intake. They're eating more soup, salads, fruits, and vegetables, and cucumbers, less calories. Yeah. So they're getting their protein. So if they're insecure, there it is. There's no more that, that, that they need. Yeah. Okay. And then, okay, so this is the big one for me, and I know it's for a lot of people. So what about the, the I'm not going to name products, but just uh, the fake meets the uh, fake oh beyond burgers and the, yeah, what's the other so, one uh, i mean yeah what's the, like what do you what are your thoughts on those products because i mean those they're everything's there's a lot of processed things and a lot of sodium and a lot of like things that are packed in there that we know are not good for us so i mean and every time i talk about plant-based program or you know like lifestyle switches and stuff like that and being vegan or whatever people are like oh because you're gonna eat all that junk and you know what it's it's a tough one to you know again it, it's i call it a transition food good. it's just like if you go from 
Haagen-Dazs ice cream. I'll use the name. And I mean, this is like high in fat and cholesterol and sugar as you can get. Yeah. Right? Or seized candy, right? Either one of them. But as a transition from Haagen-Dazs, let's say you go to coconut plant-based okay. ice cream, right? Yeah. All right. It's probably got a certain amount of fat. It's probably got a fair amount of sugar still. You've moved out the animal protein, the dairy base. So mm -hmm. at least you're reducing the inflammatory issue, you know, a, and, and no cholesterol. So mm -hmm. that's good. Uh, same with, with the animal burger, okay? You're getting rid of the microbes, the viral, the E. coli, the salmonola, in this time of Ebola and, and coronavirus, mm -hmm. get rid of it. You, you then transition to the plant-based burger and at least, you know, you're, you've removed from the microbes, although they're cooking on the same grill. Mm. Okay, so that's an issue. <laughs> but, but the grill itself, the, the hamburger itself, to make it like similar to an animal burger, they mm -hmm. had to up the fat content. Mm -hmm. And so here's, here's my take on it. I would rather you make like a homemade type plant like vegetable burger mm -hmm. so that way you can kind of control the amount of like you can use nuts and seeds to kind of hold it together there's some mm -hmm. certain cool recipes that we yeah. have like this morning i sent a recipe a oil-free hummus okay and it had all the spice and flavor but no oil can you imagine a hummus without oil some people say oh no that's impossible and it tastes great nice so all of my recipes in the simply healthy book uh which we can show here at some point i don't think i have one on the extra one on the shelf or we can just switch out the book of the same size <laughs> we're propping right? up the phone on that one <laughs> here we go so oops perfect did that work are you yep, where you need good, to be you're good so in the simply healthy cookbook I won't say it's a blatant uh, advertisement, but I'll, I'll add the music so you know it's a little bit of an advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You guys can't hear it over there. But <laughs> it's a Simply Healthy cookbook with 240 recipes that took me 15 wow. years to collect from around the world. And guess yeah. what? Way ahead of its time. Oil-free. Yeah. Soy-free. Nice. Gluten-free. So it's meeting all the paleo yeah. keto people's concerns mm -hmm. and it's plant-based and it tastes good nice so definitely have to get one of those. so yeah I, i'm i am i'm a huge fan of chef aj and you know she's this junk food vegan she came out on my shoe look i was a junk food vegan i was overweight i looked bad i had aches and pains and yes. inflammation and she switched over to whole unprocessed oil free nice. sugar free and all her recipes maybe to sweeten she'll use like figs you know okay. that kind of yeah, thing and she taught me about a breville oven which is unbelievable i can make french fries with a breville oven i cut up the mm. the, the potatoes put some turmeric and garlic and onions and all nice. these cool spices cayenne and it's to die for I even have my 11-year-old eating them. That sounds and, and, amazing. I mean, a transition from fried, you know. Yeah. And, and the problem isn't the starch of the potatoes. It's the fries. It's the oil. It's the oils. Yeah. And the oil desensitizes the insulin, increases the risk of diabetes. It's mm. not the starch, the potato. It's the oil. And I know people argue all day long, say, oh, but the oil stabilizes. It does not. It causes <laughs> insulin insensitivity. Mm. So transitions, you take baby steps. 
or you jump into it full force and you go with the Simply Healthy cookbook. And even if you don't use the exact recipes, I'm the type that I like to thumb through recipes. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. I can do this and uh, beet walnut soup and, and you know, twice baked, uh, oh, Thai chicken enchiladas. I mean, you know, you just go through and you go, oh, wow, this is this is great. This I can do this, right? Nice. And then, then, you know, when you come up with your own creations, I know so many people out there that are cooks. This is a true story. When I was first starting up my entrepreneur business, and I was working nonstop from morning to night, doing mm -hmm. seminars at night at 7.30 at night, and opening up the clinic in the morning, and my wife, we were planning to have uh, our first and then our second child together at that time, and she didn't have time to cook. I mm -hmm. mean, you, you, you have a child, an infant, you're nursing, you're taking care of the other baby. Yeah. So we put an ad in the paper, and we said, oil-free, sugar-free, whole complex carbohydrate cooking, mm -hmm. animal free, please apply. And instead of hiring expensive chefs, we had a bunch of cooks okay. and we interviewed several and we ended up hiring over time, three different cooks that turned out to be amazing. Wow. And they would prepare our foods from our cookbook and improve upon them. Okay. And we would freeze the food, have it refrigerated. She'd come by twice a week and we'd it was like whatever X dollars per hour, no more than we would have spent to go to a nice restaurant. Yeah. And we had food to eat for the whole week. Wow, that's smart. That's sensible. Oh, it was like the best thing we ever did. My son, my 27-year-old my son, Nicholas, he has hired uh, Ramon, who's a professional chef, trained Cordon Bleu. Mm. And uh, that's the husband of my daughter, Cherish. Yep. And he makes up big bolts of foods this Thai soup to die for, these potato dishes, these all, and, and right. they're all oil-free. And my son comes by and picks them up twice a week, puts them in his refrigerator, doesn't have to do a bit of cooking. Wow, that's amazing. Is meal prep still as easy and uh, efficient uh, being on a plant base as it is when you're a meat eater, so to speak? I mean, come on, let's face it. Throwing a slab of chicken onto something, that's quick and easy. Yeah. But most of my dishes are I, because I, I personally like to cook. Yeah. So it's kind of a de-stressor for me. So I, I get in there and I, I, I have five dishes going all at once. I have three, you know, a crock pot going. I have two pots cooking. I have a double boiler going. So by the time I'm done, I have the, everything done in like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Yeah. And, so, and then I have something to eat for the next couple of days. That's amazing. Any suggestions for um, the, our viewers and listeners for this time in need with the coronavirus going on and um, being, you know, somewhat limited to certain foods and also being isolated? Um, something for them, just a little suggestion so we can help them through this time. Um, absolutely. I, I think that the plant-based is an easier diet to follow in times of quarantine and isolation. Mm -hmm. And I say that because you can get sacks of seeds that can feed you for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. If you had to sprout them, if you had to, to you know, soak them and just eat them raw after they've been soaked for eight hours because it removes the anti-enzyme property and they mm -hmm. become alive, rich in vitamins and minerals and nutrients, high in fiber. Uh, I buy sacks of dry beans, different types of beans. You yeah. can get literally big sacks yeah. and there's no shortage. People aren't buying that stuff. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're buying toilet oh, paper and now. chicken and eggs and stuff. You know, <laughs> By that's... the way, do you have any toilet paper here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. We have a stack of them. Hidden, hidden, hidden. Right. <laughs> I love this meme the other 
other day. It was actually uh, plant based friendly. It was like, does anyone know of any recipes to make toilet paper out of cauliflower? <laughs> <laughs> well, they used to use. They tell me corn cobs or something uh, like that. That <laughs> sounds gross. But I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. There's your your uh, toilet that. tissue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I, I did. I, I did hear Russell Brunson saying something about go on Amazon and buy these. Uh, what are those little towelettes? I don't know what they oh, are, but little, he said you like could use wipes? those. Yeah. Yeah, those, I mean, those could work. <laughs> I mean, you get creative. I think the 99 cent store can probably, you know, you can muster up something from there. I think the biggest thing, not only just with food, but in these times, having humor and laughter and just, um, <laughs> and just, you know, um, looking at the, um, the, the silver lining and the blessing in it rather than looking at the negative part of it. Cause you know, as I was saying to my clients and my friends too, there's always something that we're going to get out of this, whether we want to extract only negative out of it or we can extract the positive as well. Absolutely. You know, we, we need to pull together as a nation and yeah. really understand this. Let's cut away for a moment. I, I want to pick up with this bone density thing and, and hip Ooh. fractures and, and the thing that happened to uh, Ronnie Coleman and the thing about yeah. our backs and back pain and injuries. And, you know, one of the leading causes of death is hip fractures. We get older. Yeah. People are just walking around and then their hip breaks. It's, it's, it's so fragile. That's uh, Sally terrifying. Fields talks about some drug they try and sell about, you know, building bone density, but it's a hormonal thing. It's a diet thing. Mm, yeah. So absolutely. let's, let's talk about that here. Let's, so let's you guys go. won't be able to hear this. Fractures are one of the side effects that disproportionately plagues children placed on ketogenic diets, along with growth stunting and kidney stones. Ketogenic diets may cause a steady there rate of bone loss as measured in the spine presumed to be because ketones are acidic, and so keto diets can put people in what's called a chronic acidotic state. Some of the case reports of children on keto diets are truly heart-wrenching. One nine-year-old girl seemed to get it all, osteoporosis, bone fractures, kidney stones, and then she got pancreatitis and died. That was interesting in the season. Pancreatitis can be triggered by having too much fat in your blood. A single high-fat meal can cause a quintupling of the spike in triglycerides in your bloodstream within hours of consumption, which can put you at risk for inflammation of the pancreas. It, uh, for Instagram, we can share uh, later the soundtrack, you know, so whatever yeah, they're missing perfect, too, you right? you guys, so we can fill you in on all that. What they were talking about is pancreatitis and, and the risk uh, from a, high fat, a single half-fat meal. I have this video that I did years ago. It's how Chef, uh, Chef AJ found me, and it's how to become diabetic in six hours. And it's wow. just this, you know, I'm eating healthy like I do every day, and then I drank a, 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 a glass of, of oil, olive oil, and then... After a couple hours, my triglycerides double, and you see it under the microscope, all the fat flowing into my bloodstream. Mm -hmm. And then I ate a cheese uh, meat sandwich and, and then chased it with pizza. And, mm -hmm. and within six hours, I was testing diabetic. My blood was loaded with fat. And there's this segment where I just, I just, I, I lay on the, I, I get down on the ground while they're videotaping me. And I had to sleep, this overwhelming feeling of mm. brain fog, brain exhaustion. And it was like I was going into a state of unconsciousness. And what people usually do after eating that heavy animal-based cheese oil diet that people eat they chase it with coffee to wake themselves up. How many times you go to a meal, would you, uh, would you like your coffee now? And at night, I'm going, they're bringing coffee at night mm -hmm. to wake them up because they're falling asleep. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Just think about the harms that we're doing. We're just, you know, putting pollution on pollution, you know, and uh, and then stimulants is another thing. I mean, that's a whole nother topic as well. You know, feeding our bodies, fueling our bodies full of this poison and these toxins. And then we're trying to overstimulate to get back up to where we should be. And then it goes again and again and again and it just keeps stacking. And that's how we end up, you know, with, um, you know, heart disease and and people having heart attacks and cardiac arrest and i mean it just it's endless yeah let's let's clip away to this uh retard reply rare genetic disorder called glucose transporter deficiency syndrome where you're born with a defect in ferrying blood sugar into your brain uh, this can result in daily seizures starting in infancy but a ketogenic diet can be used as a way to sneak fuel into their brains <laughs> So a ketogenic diet can be a godsend for the 1 in 90,000 families stricken with this disorder. As with anything in medicine, it's all about risks versus benefits. As many as 30% of patients with epilepsy don't respond to anti-seizure drugs, and the alternatives aren't pretty, including things like brain surgery. This can mean implanting deep electrodes through the skull or even removing a lobe of your brain. This can obviously lead to serious side effects, but so can having seizures every day. So if a ketogenic diet helps with seizures, the pros can far outweigh the cons. For those just choosing a diet to lose weight, though, uh, the cost-benefit analysis would really seem to go the other way. Thankfully, you don't need to mortgage your long-term health for short-term weight loss. We can get the best of both worlds by choosing a healthy diet. Remember that study that showed that the weight loss after being told to eat the low-carb Atkins diet for a year was almost identical to those told to eat the low-fat Ornish diet? And the authors concluded this supports the practice of recommending any diet that a patient will adhere to in order to lose weight. That seems like wow. terrible advice. Uh, there are regimens out there, like the Last Chance Diet, which evidently consisted of a liquid formula made from leftover byproducts from a slaughterhouse that was linked to approximately 60 deaths. Well, it did promise to change people's lives. An ensuing failed lawsuit from one widower laid the precedent for the First Amendment protection for deadly diet books. It's possible to construct a healthy low-carb diet or an unhealthy low-fat diet. A diet of cotton candy would be zero fat. But the health effects of a typical low-carb ketogenic diet like Atkins are vastly different from a low-fat plant-based diet like Ornish's. Not only would they have diametrically opposed effects on cardiovascular risk factors in theory, based on fiber and saturated fat and cholesterol contents of their representative meal plans, when actually put to the test, low-carb diets were found to impair artery function. Over time, blood flow to the heart muscle itself is improved on an Ornish-style diet and diminished on a low-carb diet. Heart disease tends to progress on typical weight-loss diets, actively worsen on low-carb diets, but may be reversed by an Ornish-style diet. Given that heart disease is the number one killer of men and women, recommending any diet that a patient will adhere to in order to lose weight seems irresponsible. Uh, 
why not tell people to smoke? Cigarettes can cause weight loss too, as can tuberculosis and a good meth habit. But the goal of weight loss is not to lighten the load for your pallbearers. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a um, point well taken that we as uh, health educators, you know, the first rule of thumb is do no harm, right? And and secondly, get people on a program that's sustainable, that yes. they can stick with for the rest of their life, that mm -hmm. won't lead to cardiovascular disease or heart disease or diabetes or high blood pressure or, or, or all these things that, that most people are, are struggling with. So, you know, when we talk about it, Tracy Lynn, then, you know, this concept of, you know, what does it take to be on a whole plant-based healthy foods diet? Uh, you know, the first question I always ask people, uh, do you like fruit? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And what fruits do you like? Are there any fruits you don't like? And some people say, well, I don't like pineapple or whatever it is. Okay. Mm -hmm. So make a list. Do you, do you like vegetables? Are there any vegetables you don't like? Mm -hmm. You don't need to include those. If you, if you don't like okra, don't don't eat it. Yeah, exactly. You know, so make a list, and then you know, do you like beans? And okay, well, initially you got to make sure you cook the beans long enough. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you get a little bit of gas, and oh, I got gas and disruption. But partly that's the bad bacteria anaerobic, which live without oxygen, being pushed out by the good aerobic bacteria, and there's more fiber in the gut, so there's a little bit going on for about two or three weeks. Yeah. So you've got to learn to adjust to that and kind of transition to that, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, as I ask my clients all the time, how, how important is your health to you? So how bad do you want this? It's like anything, whether you're competing or you're, I mean, the, those are extreme lifestyles in, in advance, but it's just, I mean, think about diabetes, think about heart disease, think about all these things. It's longevity. Think about your future. How do you want to be in 5, 10, 15, 20 years? And what kind of examples do you want to set for your children as well? I mean, we've got our kids that are emulating and watching everything that we're doing. Why would we want not want to show them and give them these tools to be successful now so that they have longevity and they can pass that on to their children as well and we want our kids to live healthy lives and you know be free of these diseases such as cancers and and all these other ailments you know and so let's let's uh, provide a platform for longevity more than anything it's about wellness it's about living and being free and having that uh, like being able to run and chase your kids and having that lifestyle of just like a beautiful lifestyle to be free. I don't want to be sluggish. I don't want to be dragging, you know, my butt every day. I want to be up and up. people are like, you have so much energy. You're always doing something. I'm like, yeah, because I, I have a fire inside me, but I have the energy and I have the capacity and ability to live like this because how I take care of my body mm -hmm. and my mind. And, it's, and that's the way to live. I live my life because I am absolutely living my wildest life because I feel free and I'm full of energy and it's that's from morning till night. You got to literally like <laughs> I got to just I fall into bed and people are like, oh, you must not sleep very well. I absolutely I'm sleeping beauty. Once I hit that pillow, I am just in this like palace of Zen because I maximize every bit of every bit of life out of me. And I want, I want, we want 
you all to live like that too because this is what this is about this is why we're doing this and this is why we're in these positions of our lives it's so important that people appreciate too that as you're kind of moving through these steps i always talk about four steps and that is detoxification mm -hmm. so cleanse your body through exercise through a high fiber intake through using far infrared spas uh various mm. detoxification methods are fabulous right yes. there are certain supplements that help the body detox detoxify uh, we have a grow muscle burn fat product uh, beat a vitality base and it has niacin it helps to detoxify mm -hmm. you know we we talk about number two is nutrification. So what are we doing? Are we getting whole plant-based foods? There's 360,000 different phytochemicals in whole plant-based foods. Animals eat these plants, so they get certain things, but animals don't carry vitamin C. They mm -hmm. don't because it's just not there. So there's certain nutrients that we don't even know yet how important they are that mm -hmm. are in the plant kingdom because you have to decide, are the teeth, are they carnivorous? like a dog or a cat that tears the meat and, and they have essentially no molars? Or are we like a bonobos love monkey of Zaire Africa where mm. they stand upright, they're 94.6 genetic match. I have a textbook about them and they've been studied extensively and they're unlike other chimps. Chimps will hunt down other animals at times and they eat a lot of fruit, but the bonobos monkeys eats tubers and plants and fruits and vegetables, a little bit of grubs. They'll eat a little bit of insect here or there, you know, but they're essentially almost all plant-based and mm -hmm. very intelligent. They make love all day long uh, or at least caress each other and intimate and they're very nice sweet animals and and when a warring monkey comes to another tribe mm -hmm. instead of sending another alpha male to fight them they sent the female monkeys to caress and coo them and disarm them and they're like no one no longer wanting to fight <laughs> it's interesting you say that um because uh monkeys and apes and stuff i've always been fascinated with and um, not only can you like see their their soul when you're looking into their eyes, and I mean, I go to the zoo and I could stand there. It annoys my son when he comes to visit me <laughs> from Canada because I just stare into these apes and monkeys' eyes and I just get lost. But um, I have read up on that and I've loved the monkey always, um, even from stuffed animals to being like a little girl. But um, it's so fascinating that they do behave like that. And uh, yeah, that's amazing that you knew that. So you guys actually, if you Google that, it's very interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big, big fan of learning about um, the animal kingdom. And, and, you know, you think about dolphins and their intelligence, mm. but, you know, you, bonobos monkeys, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, this, this, this is, they're on a whole nother, another level. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, you think about what is our primitive diet like? I just think, you know, if that's where it started in Zaire, Africa, and then it, you know, populated the rest of the world or not, or, you know, at least, you know, we, we look at a, a, a successful primate that, that lives a long life. You look at carnivores, they live a very short life, mm -hmm. uh, 20, 30 years. Uh, you yeah. look at elephants, you look at, you know, most all the herbivores that, you know, eat plant-based foods, they live, I mean, tortoises, they live a long mm -hmm. time. Yeah. So you think about longevity and well-being, but then, you know, what is the primitive diet of a man and woman? And they've actually done analysis, Dr. Van, uh, Texas University, where they analyzed uh, carbon dated feces. And they said, we were plant-based eaters. I mean, that's 20 million years ago. I mean, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So to have learned how to cook 
uh, it would have been very difficult to tear raw meat with our type of teeth mm -hmm. to even chew it, uh, especially because it's not like grain fed and fattened and mm -hmm. hormone injected with a lot of fat. That's easier to tear that exactly. meat. But, you know, out in the range that that, that meat's tough. Yeah. And so you'd have to be able to cook it. And cooking didn't come around until, you know, a long, you know, nice. not, not too long ago. And you think about oils, cold press process to extract oils out of food since 1914 i mean it was a fairly new process so to to squeeze out I, i'm a fan of putting oils on your skin i think it's it's mm -hmm. got some benefits for the skin um I, I when i go out in the sun you know i i, I use i use some essential oils and olive mm -hmm. oils and different things and castor oil and walnut oil i try different things but i don't consume it do you put coconut oil in your skin yeah Okay, because I do that, um, and I've found, I mean, I just, it's been incredible for my skin, um, mm -hmm. and I, I love it. So I know it's the largest organ in your body, so, I mean, obviously, I'm probably, I'm doing that a couple times a day. I put it in my hair. Um, I think it's phenomenal. I, I learned about this from Bernardo Lapello. This here's a guy that lived in Arizona. He, he Brazilian, and he 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 wrote a book, Living Beyond One Hundred. Yeah. And and if you, you you look at him, you look him up. The the, the guy uh, not only lived beyond. He, he lived to one hundred fourteen years of of age. Wow. And and he talked about uh, doing, if you will. Here I'll do a quick search. Um, 114. I I mine's I wanted to go. I want to go to 111 because I like those numbers too. But hey, if well, I well, there's can go only past 70 that. people in the world past the age of 111. Only yeah. 70 in the world. Okay. Yeah, it's it's I an elite it. group. I'm competitive. Yeah. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> I, you know, my goal is to be the longest lived, um, healthiest individual in history. So I like how you say healthiest because <laughs> living doesn't necessarily mean that you're here and you're still healthy. Right, right. So I don't want to be, you know, dragging along just to like survive and pass a number. I want to be thriving and, and be healthy through that as well. Yeah. So so here here's here's Bernardo here um, at uh, <laughs> Standing upright at 114 at years of age. He's looking sharp, too. Yeah, mostly vegan. Uh, I, I understand that he, about once a week, ate a little bit of salmon. That was okay. his thing. His diet's principally high fiber. He would, upon sunrise, you know, he would go for a walk, a long walk. He, at sunset, that would be about the time to wind down, go to sleep. He'd get at least eight, nine hours of sleep. He boils his water. You know, they're talking about drinking warm water during yeah. the coronavirus yes. and stuff. Yeah. He boils water to make sure there's, quote, no microbes. Okay. And, and the, you know, the other thing is he rubbed oil on his skin before mm. he'd go for a walk every morning. And, you know, here's, I got I to gotta admit what I was struggling with. <laughs> I was struggling with... I'm going to stink like olive oil. <laughs> That's why you're on here, the coconut oil. Here, can, you, can you smell me? Am I okay? You smell great. Okay. Listen, so this morning, about a month or two ago, I, I broke out of that weird feeling of, oh, God, I'm going to see. I take my shower, right? Mm -hmm. But then I rub, you know, olive oil mixed with walnut oil and castor oil, like, you know, all over my skin and i'm yeah. already noticing my skin's improving and people are noticing oh your skin looks better i'm like oh god it's working it's working yeah. and and he would always brag 
Bernardo would brag, 114 years old and virtually no wrinkles. And I'm like, my gosh. And his secret was plant-based, exercise, right? The right mindset, eating a lot of raw, fresh food and rubbing oil on his skin. He wasn't an advocate of consuming the oil. He talked about rubbing it on the skin. I love it. I loved how you asked me yesterday too, because I have my new TLC Fit Gels out and um, a natural product. And, um, you know, there's aloe in there and some menthol and, and... natural natural ingredients because i'm not the type of person i'm going to be an ambassador for something that i believe in and and i would never you know push something on people that wasn't healthy for them uh being again the largest organ in the body we want to make sure that we're putting definitely some good positive things in our body and i'm not only putting them on my problem areas but I actually rub them on my face and my neck and in all the areas, especially as women and men too, that want to make sure that we're keeping tight and toned and supple. So um, I'm super proud of my products and, uh, you know, a lot of um, people are really raving about them right now. So I'm going to gift you and uh, get you over some of the my TLC Fit Gels. I love it. You know, and I was thinking about it and that's why I was asking you because, you know, I'm, I'm very careful about not only what I put into my body, but what I put on my body. Because the skin has the ability to absorb they say if you rub a little garlic uh you know on your toe you'll you'll taste garlic in your mouth i mean it it goes through the body quick right and so i created a product called uh for the professionals testogenin for the doc nutrient line and testogenesis for the, the the general market and what it has is a combination a base by the way because a lot of compounded uh base creams have chemicals in them i would I would never put on my body. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't. And they got grandfathered in because of certain laws. And the fact that it's okay and legal for them to use doesn't mean that we should use them. Okay. And so the creams I use as a base are all natural. And also I added chrysin, the herb. I added dim, methane. I added DHEA because as we mm-hmm. age, our DHEA mm-hmm. levels drop. And also it's a nice pheromone for yep. men and women. And it has pregnenolone, which is Dr. Mark Gordon's favorite hormone for the brain. It's It's got 10 milligrams, so that absorbs. And so that enhances cognition and mm-hmm. brain health. And then I was searching for a way not only to detoxify the estrogens, which is why I put the dim, the chrysin in, which it does. We, we did before-after studies showing that it would clear out in urinary metabolites, mm-hmm. excess harmful estrogens, which is wow. the, the biggest problem for bodybuilders. They'll take, say, for example, testosterone, depending on what level they're competing, mm-hmm. and it converts over to estrogen. So you, you look at people like uh, uh, The Rock, uh, uh, Dwayne Johnson. I, I can mm. do a quick search for you, and I, I can show you where he had gynecomastria surgery. Yes, I, I do. I and know Brock that. Lesnar did, you know, and the UFC guy. And a lot of the bodybuilders do, right? Very prominent thing. And they have the surgery to have it removed. And, I mean, I've seen that over the decades, and, and that's a very prominent thing. You probably, I'm, I'm going to say it's like... That's probably up in the high, like 80 to 90 that a lot of men get that, especially in that industry, you know, of bodybuilding. And you see it all the time, but they, they remove it. They downplay it. They They don't talk about it. it Cosmetically, they remove it. Yeah, of course. But, but what I found was the look like for Arnold, uh, I got to talk to him and meet him and I introduced him to liver Excel, live detox Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the herbs and turmeric and, uh, and Cypress. And I was, I had uh, talked with Dr. Chi who, who talks about a product that I like of his is called Myomen. And so I thought, well, gosh, if we could just figure out a way to help when the testosterone, instead of converting it into estrogen, maybe there's a way to help with that uh, anti-aromatization. Mm. And furthermore, I looked at natural ingredients 
ingredients of once it does convert, some of it turns into what's called the good and bad estrogen, 16-alpha mm -hmm. to 2-hydroxy. And in, in all that pursuit, I ended up discovering this natural solution for the skin. And how many bodybuilders do you see that sometimes they have acne all over their body and mm. stuff? And so I, I, I wrote this, co-wrote this book, Acne Be Gone for Good with Dr. Sonia Batarisi uh, Batacel. And you know, in that book, I, I share, there's hundreds and hundreds of Amazon users of this product that I created, but I was searching, searching for a solution to this, this harmful, what we call estrogen metabolism. I think it's the biggest plague that's no one is talking about. Mm. And these estrogen dominant molecules enter our body and they must be detoxified. Yes. And so the liver excel liver detox the use of estroblock which is kind of our best-selling product in the world and then i got word from people saying it's clearing up my skin my acne's gone i'm like i, I didn't design it for that and i started looking at the pathways and i realized that dim indole 3 carbonyl chrysin that increases sex hormone binding globulin which attaches to this androgen without getting overly complex it was really helping to kind of balance out the hormonal acne and it cleared it up so mm. it wasn't just the dht and the androgen it was relating to this estrogen dominant problem wow. so you know how many people struggle with body fat and they mm -hmm. get it in the worst places right in the belly yeah. the women get in the hips and thighs depending on their genetics mm -hmm. and so Absolutely. you think a spot a redu reduction but it doesn't work nope. that way unfortunately it does not work that way and, and <laughs> you mean endless sit-ups and endless uh, hip leg raises isn't gonna do it right no and you know with you the firm up the muscles underneath and yeah and cellulite and stuff like that that's why we're detoxifying the skin because we're getting rid of those toxins that are trapped in there and you know and, and that's the thing you can't there's no spot reduction unfortunately otherwise we would all be perfect and uh perfectionism is not it's just not possible yeah and, and i i think about it uh about this whole problem with estrogen dominance because my next book i'm working on and i have a whole website called estroblock.com mm -hmm. but but the point is you know i i realize that for for people to 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 get to that stage of a fit, lean-looking body, if they have estrogen dominance, if it's a woman, they're, they're accumulating fat like for childbirth. I mean, that's what's yeah. going on. The guys Protection. are accumulating fat too, and and we don't want to, unless we're going to be having to live in the Arctic zone for a period of time. I mean, we really, you mm -hmm. know, the accumulation of fat, especially we live near the beach and we like to go outdoors and look good, right? Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, that is actually a good subject too with the, um, yeah, because we're storing fat, especially as females, women, because uh, for childbirth or just for to be healthy, um, you know, and I know as a um, competitor and also um, a person that's, been through every diet on the planet and nutrition program, uh, you know, in the last how many decades, um, you know, when my body fat gets too low, my menstrual cycle, menstrual cycle will go and people don't understand that. Well, how could that be? Well, your body's in an emergency response because your body fat's so low that, you know, your body's not working properly. And it's actually... In the bodybuilding world, it may be a good thing, but um, on a health and wellness um, aspect, it is absolutely terrible because your body can't function the way it's supposed to. Also, in the turn of the century, it, it, 
people don't realize the original history of this, but uh, for example, in, in Japan, uh, the women were largely on a rice plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. And uh, when, of course, after the World War, there was this big flux and change in their diet. But uh, the, the menstrual cycles in women would be delayed to the point where they wouldn't start menses till they were 19, 20, 21. Mm -hmm. Now, yep. 12, 13, a, a girl starts menstruating. And the earliest uh, example of it in Argentina, where they eat a lot of steak and beef, uh, because the meat's loaded with estrogens and things, uh, was, uh, I think as Guinness it reported, a child six years old had a normal enlarged menstruating uterus and actually gave birth to a child. Wow. Age I, yeah, six. I th yeah, because I read eight somewhere. I can't Six remember. or eight, maybe, maybe yeah, it could have no, been eight, but it was something but, yeah. like crazy I mean, young. that's astronomical. Yeah, and so the problem is, you know, you, you've got children who you know it's too soon to be dealing with these kind of hormones of and and so we have a problem in the school lunches what we're feeding the kids they don't realize the foods mm. they're eating uh yeah. may very well affecting their menstrual cycles you're talking about loss of menstrual cycles too but at the same time as we age there's a normal kind of wind down of the hormones mm -hmm. to an extent that uh, say uh problematic um, hot flashes and mm -hmm. you know feeling the effects of of the loss of the menstrual cycles or yeah. the, the decrease of the hormones of course you and i understand bioidentical hormones and herbs and supplements and mm -hmm. sustaining the body but there's a sweet zone not too high not too low you don't want exactly. excess estrogen dominance of the wrong kind of estrogens mm -hmm. and you need enough to have a body to be healthy and well right exactly and that's i mean i could talk about that all day every day because you know that's it's it's not a healthy thing to have that because you're messing with the natural process of the body especially as a female and uh talk about hormones and fluctuations and and mood swings and i mean that that can really, really um, mess with somebody, not only in, um, you know, their bodies, but also, you know, their professional and personal lives as well, because what's going on with us or, you know, as females, I'll just speak on my end, um, you know, will affect every part of your life. And so we need that. We have to be cognizant of that so that we're, you know, having um, a healthy lifestyle in everything that we're doing with our families, with our children, with our business, with our just your friendships and just living. So we but we have to apply it to everything. And as I always say to my clients, too, it's practicing discipline in all areas of your life. Right. So, well, if you think about healthy lifestyle, if you're on a program that promotes long-term and short-term good health, you think about the incidence of breast cancer and, and mm. prostate cancer in this country as it continues to grow. And yet uh, there's more than enough evidence that a plant-based whole foods diet for two reasons, the fiber, they did a study on women at high risk for breast cancer and they put them on 100 grams of fiber a day. It's, mm -hmm. you know, unless you're on a plant-based diet, it's nearly impossible to get hundred grams of fiber yeah. on an animal-based diet because there's no fiber in animal-based foods. But the point was, uh, during the course of the study, they reported the women had on average four bowel movements a day, and they had the largest recorded stools they'd ever recorded in a study, <laughs> but they also found that it, it excreted all these harmful estrogens and, and toxins mm. in the body, and so they called the women the super poopers, and it reduced their incidence of breast cancer dramatically. Fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, fiber is so important, and we don't even realize it, and people are like, oh, you know, I'm regular, I'm this or that, but 
But are you healthy? I mean, yeah. because we don't, again, we don't know what's going on in our bodies. A classic case. <laughs> we saw it up on the screen today. And uh, what a what an interesting uh, outcome that was. You know, I, I, you know, I know there's obviously some taxing things that have gone on in my body through dieting over the years and the stress that I put on it. Um, you know, and over exercising, I, you know, I've been guilty of it and, um, you know, um, not sleeping enough and working too much and, you know, all of the above, but we get to see it firsthand here. Well, I think, you know, we're in a society where we're expected to accomplish certain things in our life and we're, we're, we want to push the envelope and do mm -hmm. so much in, in a, <laughs> a rather short lifespan. And you and I have the goal of living a longer, healthier life, right? Yeah. And along the way, you know, maintaining the quality steps to support a healthy immune system and longevity is, is everything. So, you know, I, I think... What's fun is we, at, at our website, DelgadoProtocol.com, if you click on NickDelgado.com and you can click to one of the websites, we have a hormone quiz that kind of evaluates. Here's based on the symptoms, you know, if, do you have cold hands and feet, or, you know, or do you have trouble losing weight? Do you have trouble sleeping? There's, you know, certain questions, but as it comes through, it gives you a recommendation. These are the herbs. These are the supplements that are going to make mm -hmm. a difference for you. And then we have, um, you know, consults too. And I'm, I'm sure you do professional consults for people as well, right? I do as well, yeah. So um, fitness and nutrition and, um, you know, just uh, mind and, uh, and spirit as well. So like what's going on for you emotionally, mentally, and uh, spiritually. So, you know, there's a lot of life coaching in there because obviously, as you know, um, you can have a healthy my a body but if you don't have a healthy mind which controls the computer controls the body then we're not operating at full capacity so it's all about what's going on for you in your lives emotional life um you know business everything's tied in so it's got to start up here and what kind of you know what kind of disciplines are you practicing what kind of uh, daily routines are you practicing are you getting enough sleep what kind of self-talk what kind of affirmations are you journaling are you praying are you meditating are you going out getting some fresh air are you getting your face in the sunlight getting some vitamin d you know what are the what are your practices and principles that you're doing every day to to live a well-balanced life yeah absolutely and i i, I it's fun because we just did a talk uh, be, uh, beating uh, the coronavirus and we talked about, mm -hmm. you know, the herbs, the supplements and the yeah. lifestyle. And, and if you think about like kind of the summary of, of, of what that gets back and of course you, you, you I'm sure are a fan, Deepak Chopra, Tony Robbins, mm, yes. but, but the four uh, principles that we really hone in on is, is kind of this, this five principle step, you know, get, mm -hmm. get that quality sleep, the detoxification, the nutrification with process, uh, unprocessed whole herbs supplements fortify uh, mm -hmm. peptides hormones stem cells the power of the mind and all these mm -hmm. things together you know you you really can build the strongest immune system possible Absolutely. and instead of having to depend on last minute ditch efforts of you know drug interventions and chemicals and and surgical mm -hmm. interventions no. i we, we've become a nation that we think that these are going to get to the cause of the problem when maybe they solve a symptom Mm, but yeah. most of these things are coming at the cellular level. And when you start at the blood yeah. and you understand nutrition, you understand, mm -hmm. you know, 43 years of the work that we've been doing and, and putting this yeah. all together, you know, it, it, it starts to make more sense. So absolutely. What the one last thing that I want to add on to there as well, and um, I'm doing it for myself as well is uh, releasing trapped emotions and uh, really healing um, at that level because, you know, holding resentment, holding um, anger, 
anger, holding any type of emotional pain will really uh, tax the body and really compromise the immune system. So if you're going through anything emotionally, um, you know, write it down, talk to a friend, get on a Skype call or get on a Zoom call or get on a FaceTime call, anything just especially at this time of isolation and uh, feeling that feeling of alone or trapped or, you know, anything like that. Really just talk to somebody and get all that out because all that stuff's poison, you know. So I that's one thing that I'm really like working with my clients right now and also doing for myself as well, you know, releasing a lot of, uh, you know, emotional pain that I had from last year and just clearing it out of me right now so I can, you know, again, thrive and live at full capacity. I came up with something yesterday, um, living the dream through the quarantine. So that's what, <laughs> that's what I plan on doing. And I want all of you to practice that as well. Wow. That's fantastic. Dr. Nick Delgado here. Be strong, be well, please subscribe, please share. Uh, it's been fun. We're uh, here with Tracy Lynn. And, uh, if you don't mind, we might return for a short segment on, um, doing an NLP timeline therapy. Have you ever done uh, timeline therapy or release uh, certain stored uh, emotions and things? I have. It's been a few years, um, yeah. but I loved it and I thought it was great and I'm definitely open to receive that again. <laughs> Sounds great. Okay, everyone. Bye-bye.